Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. WGR Sports Radio 550. It's a very serious charge, and we take it seriously. And But I want to wait and see if, is he going to be charged? Is he going to be found guilty? I don't know that. But certainly we don't like the fact that this is twice now, you know, that he's been in incidents like this, and uh, it's not good for the organization. It's not good for him. Evander Kane turned himself into Buffalo Police detectives outside of our central booking office in the basement of City Court. He was brought downstairs. He was booked and processed on four counts of a violation harassment, one violation of disorderly conduct, and one criminal trespass, which is a B misdemeanor charge. They're giving him uh, appearance tickets, and seven to ten days from now we'll be back in court, and then we'll sort it out then. Whether he has done these things or not, or he is guilty of these things or not, it's not something that I like getting up in the morning and reading about, that's for sure. And we're going to let the process happen. We'll go with whatever the ruling is, and then uh, whatever the ruling is, we're obviously going to have a sit-down, good or bad, and we're going to go from there. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, good morning. Welcome in a nice Saturday morning here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Nick Erie here with you. Uh, back in the saddle again after a, uh, a quick little weekend off for, for myself. I feel as though it was much earned. Uh, so, But I am back this week, uh, and it seems like I missed a whole bunch of stuff, uh, Brayton. When I went for this weekend, I, I kind of decided I was going to log off and you know you know kind of stay away from the social media and my cell phone for a weekend because you know when is the last time you just spent a weekend away from your cell phone never yeah like I can't even really remember the last time I just spent a weekend away from my cell phone so I decided you know what this weekend I'm just I'm going off the grid and I go off the grid and I get back on my phone on you know Sunday afternoon or whatever it was when I when I turned it back on and all of a sudden Carlos Williams is suspended and Jonathan Williams gets a DWI, and it's just like, oh man, what did I, what did I miss? But uh, I am here for you today. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to go over. We've got Bill's training camp preview, so I've got Chris Trapasso and uh, Rob Quinn, uh, who will be up with me uh, in about 20 minutes. And our next segment, Rob is a columnist for Building the Herd. He's also got a great, great media guide out right now. Um, so we'll have him on at 8:30, and then Chris Trapasso. He will have him on. Uh, we'll have him on right around 9:30. So we've got a nice little program stocked up for you today, talking some Bills training camp, as I mentioned. But I want to start off uh, with the news of Evander Kane, which came down yesterday morning around 11 a.m. Uh, and he was uh, well. He turned himself in. I don't want to make it seem as though he was arrested. At, at first, I was confused about the report. Uh, I thought he'd been arrested again. Uh, but it turns out that he just turned himself in. These are all from the uh, stemming from the incident on June 24th, as Brayton said in the update from uh, Bottoms Up Nightclub in downtown Buffalo. Uh, right now, as it stands, Evander Kane is being charged with one misdemeanor count of criminal trespass. And uh, as far as I've heard, uh, 
it sounds like that charge will not be sticking. Uh, bottoms Up Nightclub uh, general manager and the lawyers for Bottoms Up have indicated that um, at no point was Evander Kane trespassing. Um, at no time they technically, um, you know, kick him out of the club. So I, I don't think the criminal uh, charge will stick, that trespassing charge. And then you've got four counts of non-criminal harassment, um, which I, I'm no lawyer, so I'm not going to try to break that down for you. But uh, from what uh, his lawyer, Paul Cambria, said there, as Brayton played a little bit of that in the update, um, it sounds more or less like a... Uh, doesn't sound like a very serious crime um, being, you know, being committed here, but uh, it's a sticky situation, Brayton, and it continues to develop as we move forward. Uh, as you heard again in that update uh, that you did, Tim Murray is going to kind of hold off uh, judgment on whether what to do with Vander Kane until um, he's found guilty or not guilty. We now know he will be charged, uh, un unlike his previous incident that happened last year. Um, with a woman in the Harbor Center Hotel. And so unlike that one where he wasn't charged, uh, he is going to be charged in this case, Brayton. And uh, it's just it's not a good look uh, for a guy who is supposed to be one of the veterans on this team, uh, a guy that some of the younger rookie players, the you know Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhartz, Rasmus Ristolainen's are looking to uh, to be a better professional, to be, to know what it takes to be a professional hockey player in the NHL, and I, I just don't think this is a good look for a guy, uh, as I mentioned, who should be taking a leadership role on this team. Right. No, it's definitely not a good look. And I mean, when Kane had his little incident back in December, and then he also had the incident where he mispracticed because he overslept the night after the NBA All Star game. It's just like the guys in the locker room, they just didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to bring this up and make it an issue, but it is an issue. And for Evander Kane, it could have been worse for him, but, and I'm not advocating like it's, you know, it's okay, but, you know, at least he didn't get any assault charges and, and Cambria. He, he kind of explains it as, I think it was Cambria or, I can't remember if it's Cambria or uh, Joseph Grimalia, the police chief for Buffalo Police, uh, but he, they they explain the harassment charge versus the, versus the assault charge, and I just want to play that real quick because I think it definitely helps. Uh, it's actually uh, Joseph Grimalia from the Buffalo Police. This is what he says. Uh, comparing the harassment charge and the assault charge. A harassment charge is when you subject someone to physical contact, unwanted physical contact. It does not rise to the level of an assault which requires injury. So unwanted physical contact is the underlying circumstances of a harassment charge. And then Cambria goes on to say that this is more of just an annoyance charge. It's not like he was he hurt anyone. It's just more of like, you know, just more of an annoyance and with the trespassing, you know, or with the trespass, it's, it's not trespassing, but... Right, and if you look into it a little bit, you see a lot of what to me is a lot of mixed reports about his presence at Bottoms Up that night. There are reports that he was a guest bartender, celebrity bartender. He was behind the bar uh, bartending, which I, I to me just, if you're a NHL player or you're a a professional athlete. That's just something I'm staying the hell away from. Uh, it doesn't make sense. All you can do is get in trouble. And and clearly this is a guy who doesn't need any more reason to be in the public spotlight. I, the, at this point, 
there, there just something has to be done about what goes on with Vander Kane at night at, during the weekend. It's not even at this point just a weekend thing. It's it's you hold your breath every night. When I wake up in the morning, I'm just expecting to see something on Twitter or something on Facebook. And we've gotten to a point where I, I think he needs to realize he's at the point in his career where he just needs to grow up as an athlete. He needs to realize what he needs to do to be successful. And that's not going out and partying at bottoms up. Right. It's just that at this point in your career, it needs to be about hockey. And, and, and as much as a lot of people don't like J.J. Watt, don't say what you will about him, but that guy works hard. And, and he's on numerous occasions you know, quoted as saying, like, hey, I've got the rest of my life to party, to have fun. This is my window of my playing my professional career that I'm, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of now. I mean, you never hear anything about J.J. Watt. All you hear about J.J. Watt is people who want to make fun of him for never going out or never, you know, being never being in the public spotlight. And he's a guy that he just does the work. And and what you would hope is a guy like Evander Kane with the talent level of Evander Kane, the guy can he can flat out play hockey, but he doesn't have a spot on my team currently. The way that his life and the, his his off ice behavior has trended. He doesn't have a spot on my hockey team if this continues moving forward. Right, yeah, and, you know, with this kind of situation, you don't want any of this to happen, period. You want Evander Kane to stay away from this type of stuff because he has had a past history of getting himself into trouble. Uh, once with Winnipeg when he was in Vancouver and that went through, and no, I mean, he was clear to that. And then, you know, this past December with the Harbor Center at the hotel there, he got cleared of that. But uh, Darren Dreger yesterday tweeted out that the NHL is monitoring the situation with Evander Kane, but won't take any disciplinary action. And then he also and then he also pointed out that Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, said that Kane uh, he will be directed to the NHL NHLPA behavioral health professionals uh, for evaluation and con- on uh, counseling if deemed necessary. So it's not uh, a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. He's gotta he's gotta learn how to be responsible because you know. One more slip up, and he's pretty much good as gone, in my opinion. And he might even be—we we have no idea what's going to happen right now because the Sabers aren't saying really anything at all about this. But uh, Tim Murray said they're just going to let the process play out. Afterwards, they'll have a chat. And I know that Paul Hamilton has said in the past that when Murray's mad, and you have a one-on-one chat with him. It's never a good sign, never a good thing. So, you know. Kane, in my opinion, I think Kane stays with the team for now. But if but any little slip up from here on out, Tim Murray won't hesitate at all. I believe to do to deal with the situation where Kane probably won't be on this team again. Quickly before we move into our Bills training camp preview, uh, what I want to last thing I kind of want to say about this whole Vander Kane situation and that you brought up there is, you know, I, I don't believe Vander Kane's fighting for his spot on the Sabres roster. He's fighting for a spot in his NHL career. Um, you know, there's not a lot of teams that are going to take a flyer on a young guy who can't stay out of trouble. And you look at it in the NFL, you know, there are players, Ray Rice, the guy can still play football. He can't find a job anywhere. And I mean, all it's going to take is a video or something to come out about what really happened that night at Bottoms Up in that parking lot inside that bar. Something like that comes out, and, and it's anything remotely close to what happened in that Ray Rice video, or, you know... 
and, and the, the Buffalo NHL, police, they did say they that said, they had videos, they were looking it over, and it took them a little while. It was a I process. I mean, look at Voinoff. I mean, the NHL has set a, set a precedent. They had said, if you put your hands on a woman, there is no place for you in the NHL. I mean, he, he's not even on the Russian roster right now. I mean, I'm sure that has nothing to do with, this, with that situation, but my point is, is look at where his NHL career has gone since his incident. And to, you have to look at that as being the, the outliner of what the NHL is going to do to a player who commits that type of crime. Now, he's not being, you know, he, he doesn't have criminal charges of, of assault against him, which I guess he's lucky for. Um, but we'll see. I, as we said, uh, Paul Cambria there in, in that sound said they'll, uh, they'll be back in court in another 7 to 10 days. So we'll have an update then. Uh, and we'll, we'll know more about that situation as we move forward, and we will keep you updated on that, obviously, as we move forward. But Vander Kane, um, definitely struggling to keep his off-ice uh, personality in check, so uh, we'll keep you updated on that, as I said. But uh, now we'll move over to Bill's training camp, which, if you believe it, is just one week away. Uh, next week, Saturday, uh, camp opens at St. John Fisher College. Matthew Collar. Uh, we'll be live from training camp from 11 to 2, bringing you the full first day of training camp at St. John Fisher College. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, I am excited that uh, we're getting going here, Brayton. It kind of it's it's been a long summer, uh, but for me, it, it kind of went by pretty quick. Uh, all of a sudden, we're we're up at training camp. I mean, it happens every year. You spend most of your summer forgetting about football and your your mindset on hockey, free agency. Um, you know, the draft, everything like that. And then all of a sudden, a couple weeks pass, and now we've had the, as I call them, the the dark days of summer where you don't have a lot of sports going on. You've just got, really got Major League Baseball. Um, you know, the college lacrosse season's over. I got into some college lacrosse this year watching the national championship game. Um, so there isn't a lot to do right now. So I think, you know, the emotions are starting to build. The expectations are starting to build. And for whatever reason, I feel like this year it has been an, a pretty quiet off season for the Bills. There hasn't been a lot other than the, you know, winning the off season quotes by Rex Ryan earlier uh, after a mandatory minicamp broke. It's been a pretty I mean as far as expectations go. I don't know about you Brayton, but I I just it doesn't seem like if it's the fan base or if it's the media this year that just isn't putting the type of pressure the type of expectations that a Bills team undoubtedly has every year because they're now into their 16th consecutive season without a playoff appearance. Are the expectations lower this year, or are they about the same as they've been every year? I feel the expectations are a little bit lower this year. I mean, it's. I think after last season, they definitely are lower to many people just because last year a lot of people thought, oh, Rex Ryan coming in, his defense, he's had a lot of success. Drought's over. Uh, now, no, let's halt the brakes there because it, it didn't turn out that way. The defense, you know, and, and a lot of the guys have said it. The defense had a lot of growing pains. There were guys that didn't buy into Rex's system right away. Uh, Mario Williams being the prime example of that. But this year, I think it's I think it's more higher expectations for the offense, especially with Tyrod Taylor, because of the success that he had. And Tyrod Taylor, arguably, has been the best quarterback the Bills have had since I don't know, Doug Flutie maybe, probably, because... Yeah, Drew Bledsoe. But I, Yeah, but I mean, the fact is, 
is that I think the the expectations for the Bills as an overall team aren't there like they were last year, but I think the expectations for the offense are stepping up a little bit more because of Tyrod Taylor being the starter for the first full season, the number one surefire starter. I think the expectations for the offense are is there. The defense, though, I think there's still questions as, you know, with Shaq Lawson, is he going to be able to play? Will the Bills, you know, get guys to buy in this year. And I think they will. And I think that, you know, expectations are probably lower than what they should be. I think they'll step up their play a little bit from last year. But are they a playoff team? I, I'm not going to say right now because I I have no idea. Yeah, and you bring up a good uh, a good storyline for this training camp, and that's Tyrod Taylor. And, I mean, that's first on my list is, you know, where – where does Tyrod Taylor go from here? And I, and I think it's important, as you mentioned, it's his second full season at the helm. And I think what's important this year is he's going to have a full training camp with that starting offense. He's not going to be switching in reps. And and say what you will about last offseason. You, you really have to give it to Tyrod Taylor, I'm sorry, last training camp, on winning that job. It was a difficult situation to go into. I've been in this, uh, a similar situation you know, where you have an open quarterback competition going into camp. And it's so important for a quarterback and to have the timing with, with those top guys. And when you go from your third team to the first team, you know, the difference in speed, the difference in talent level that you're going to have from the third team to the first is real. And to not be able to get into a groove with a guy like Sammy Watkins, to get into a groove with that starting offense, splitting reps all the time with E.J. Manuel Matt Castle, that just to me even more you have to give him a lot of credit for that last year it, it, that is a very difficult thing to do and and especially when you know you're not the guy you do have a little bit of that chip on your shoulder but it's difficult to go through an entire training camp not knowing that you're the guy not knowing when your next rep's going to be and not knowing what stage you're going to get in the in a preseason game to show you and showcase those talents that you have so, to me, last year was very difficult. He's going to have all of this training camp this year. Now, you're probably not going to get Sammy Watkins very much in this training camp or preseason timetable here. He's most likely going to be a week one guy, um, ready to go. That's what we're hoping for. Shady McCoy is not going to see a lot of action in training camp and preseason. They're going to really kind of especially, pull back the reins on with him. no Carlos Williams or Jonathan right. Williams there. And the last thing you want to do is overwork McCoy during the preseason here. We want to keep his, you know, his hamstring healthy, uh that but just he's back in his 30s now, 29, 30 years old. That's the back end of most running backs careers. You know, you're not going to get a lot of guys who are 10, 15 plus years in the league at running back anymore. It's just it's too much wear and tear on those guys' body. They last five to ten years, and and you're now at the back end of Shady McCoy's career, so doing your best to preserve him for the regular season is the way to go. So I expect to see a lot of James Wilder. I expect to see a lot of Jonathan Williams, as long as he's not in the doghouse, which I expect when he gets to camp he will be. I think we're going to see a lot of Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley as well, but I, I, I've got this, I got this feeling about this James Wilder Jr. fella, um, and we'll definitely get his, we'll get, some thoughts on James Wilder from both Chris Trapasso and Rob Quinn, who will be up with me next. So as we head to break, we'll continue on our training camp preview. Uh, as I mentioned up next, we'll have Rob Quinn. So we'll have all that and more right here on WGR. 
obviously I want to go back to camp and uh, obviously I'm going to be in shape and uh, I just want to let my teammates know like you know that uh, we're here to win a championship you know and just go out to work every day and handle myself like a real a true professional you know handle myself like a true professional on and off the field and I just want to take my preparation to the next level eating habits to next, everything to the next level each year you know you want to do that. That is Bill's outside linebacker slash defensive end slash pass rusher I.K. and Polly there uh, with the little uh, pregame sound there. Uh, before we head to the AT&T hotline, uh, as you heard there, Jim Rome is moving from WGR Sports Radio 550 over to our sister station ESPN 1520, same time. And uh, we will now be carrying the John Murphy Show every, uh, every day, 12 to 3. Um, so that's the uh, a nice little programming change. That starts next week, Thursday. And then from 7 to 9, Ryan Gates uh, will bring you the, uh, the best of WGR uh, from 7 to 9. So a nice little programming switch up. You'll get to hear John Murphy earlier uh, in the afternoon, which will be nice during this training camp session. Uh, and that is a permanent move. So he will not be moving back to 7 to 9. That is going to be uh, full-time. It will be Ryan Gates. So congratulations to Ryan Gates. Uh, for getting his, uh, you know, his first real hosting gig. I'm just saying he started off uh, during uh, this show in the morning. I'm just saying I know how to, I know how to find talent. So I'm here uh, to find your on-air talents everywhere. But let's move out to the AT&T hotline where Rob Quinn joins me this morning. Rob, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Of course. Uh, and as you know, Rob, we've got training camp in a week. Uh, if you can believe it already, it seems like. This season basically just ended, and Rob Ryan just came in, and all of a sudden tandem bikes, and now here we are, a week away from training camp. And I want to know your top storyline. What are you watching for? What can't you wait for? You know, to see uh, next Saturday when camp opens at St. John Fisher College. Um, like you were just saying, obviously the running back battle is going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, LaShawn McCoy, he's nursing that injury. So um, we all know that Carlos Williams is suspended for the first four games of the season now. So that number two job that we thought Carlos had solidified is really kind of up for grabs. Um, Mike Gillisley, we saw what he could do last year in his uh, five games that he played. And he was uh, pretty – he did a lot on the field for the Bills. But then James Wilder, um, you have Jonathan Williams, who's also gotten – in a bit of trouble himself. So I think that backup job is uh, wide open for the taking, and uh, it'll be something to watch. And right after that is obviously the number three wide receiver battle. After Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods, the Bills kind of brought in uh, guys like Leonard Hankerson, Greg Salas, Jared Boykin, just um, kind of journeymen that are looking to make a name for themselves, and one of them is going to wind up as seeing some significant snaps. Well, I mean, you led me right into my next question, Rob. And and to you, what's the more compelling battle here? Is it the number three wide receiver spot, or is it that running back two spot where, as you mentioned, Carlos Williams will be gone for the first four games of the season. He violated the league's substance abuse policy, so he gets a four-game suspension. We don't know what's going to happen with Jonathan Williams. Uh, I suspect his punishment or whatever is going to happen with him uh, probably won't come down till the end of camp uh, or mid-camp season there, so... To you, what's the more compelling battle here, that wide receiver spot or the uh, number two running back? Um, well, given the nature of the Bills' offense, we know that Greg Roman loves to run the ball, and they used a bunch of different running backs last season. So that's obviously pretty compelling. But then you look at the nature of uh, 
the NFL right now and how teams are relying on the pass and going to that 11 personnel with three wideout sets. So they're both really pretty much equally in, uh, compelling in my opinion. But I think they're both pretty important to keep an eye on as far as the offense goes. So in your eyes, right now, obviously, Carlos Williams is out for those first four games. So starting week one, who's your favorite to be locked into that running back two spot? Is it Mike Gillisley or is it a guy like James Wilder Jr. who has been kind of making it a little, he's got, for whatever reason, I feel as though Wilder had a nice mini camp session. Now, you're only going to get so much from those mini camps. They're not wearing pads. So to me, is it a guy like James Wilder that you should be looking out for? Or is Mike Gillisley kind of your lock to be your day one running back two? I think Mike Gillisley obviously has a head up just uh, due to his experience and the production that he put up last season in his limited time. But um, like you said, James Wilder, he had a great camp. The guy is a physical freak. And um, he actually has a lot. He's very similar to Carlos Williams in terms of how he was viewed coming out of FSU. They're both tall, big running backs, and they had concerns about their running, with uh, keeping their pad level low and their vision. But then we saw Carlos Williams come out and score nine touchdowns last season. So I really think that they're all going to get a shot um, to compete for some real playing time. But I think Mike Gillespie has to be in the lead, at least heading into camp. Yeah, I mean, if you recall the past few years for, for James Wilder, who was basically a practice squad guy, but he really did some good things for Cincinnati in the preseason running the ball. He was kind of featured um, as, yeah. you know, they're two top guys, too. Similar to our situation, you don't really want to put a lot of wear and tear in the preseason on your number one and, in most cases, number two guys. So guys like Wilder, Gillisley, um, they're going to get some reps. And, and Boom Heron is another guy, too. I, he was a little bit uninspiring to me last year when I saw him play. But it, it's difficult for any player to kind of walk in off the streets and basically have to play in a game two days later. So... Um, you know, interesting stuff there for the running back position. And obviously with Reggie Bush, um, that could play into this as well. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on where you see that going. I, it, there's been reports the Bills have offered him a contract, but it's going to be for the league minimum. Uh, and I don't see Reggie Bush really hopping on that unless he has no other options. And I'm, at this point, I'm under the impression he really doesn't have many more options. So if the Bills are to bring in Reggie Bush, where do you see him working in? And is that really the best idea for this young Bills roster to bring in more competition at that running back position? Yeah, when I saw that they were offering him a deal, I was uh, a little – that was a little interesting to me because, first of all, we know Greg Roman's offense is a power run game, and Reggie Bush has always been more of that scat back. Um, with the Saints, we saw him as more of the pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's always been used to a zone-blocking scheme. So the, it, as far as the scheme fit, it didn't seem like the most ideal fit, but um, Greg Roman's one of the most innovative offensive coordinators in the league right now. So obviously if they're offering him a deal, they have some sort of plan in place for him if they were to sign. And I don't know what it is. I, I've always been... I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I've never really been a fan of Reggie Bush. But I've always been able to respect and and see the raw talent that he possesses and the speed. Now, he's coming off a pretty significant knee injury, but I just have this vision of him and Shady McCoy and Tyrod Taylor in the same backfield at the same time. 
And for whatever reason, that that just kind of gets me excited. The speed, the versatility, you know, the elusiveness. I mean, you're talking about probably right now the two most elusive backs, you know, what they can do in open space in football. And, and even though Reggie Bush has struggled with injuries over the past few years, he still is an electrifying player. So to me, that definitely gets me excited to see something like that happen. AT&T Hotline here, we've got Rob Quinn uh, from Building the Herd, and he's a columnist there. So Rob, before we uh, we tell people about the, uh, the awesome guide you put together, I want to get uh, two more takes from you here. We've got... I need to, an unknown player that's going to make this team a bubble guy, maybe a, a, a practice squad guy from last year, or one of these undrafted free agents guys um, that came in this year. What's one of those guys that are going to make the team? And one guy that you see that was on the 53-man roster last year that has a that could see his job in jeopardy. He may not make that 53-man roster. So I need one guy, that uh, a bubble guy that's going to make it, and one bubble guy that's going to, uh, to not make it. Um, as far as undrafted free agents go, I'm going to have to say Glenn Gronkowski has a real shot to um, push for a roster spot. He's a very versatile player. He didn't. He only had 39 uh, total career touches with Kansas State, but he's an athletic freak. Obviously, we know what his brother Rob has been doing with the Patriots, but um, he can play that H-back spot. He can play fullback. They split him out at wide receiver at times. And with uh, Jerome Felton's cap hit, uh, coupled with the – uncertainty for the HVAC spot. You got um, Chris Gragg and Nick O'Leary, who haven't been that inspiring since they've been with the team. So I'll have to say Glenn Gronkowski has a real shot to push for a roster spot. And then um, as far as the bubble guy that won't make it, I'm going to have to say Duke Williams. I mean, athletically, and his athletic profile fits everything that Rex Ryan has had in his safeties over the years. But he just hasn't wasn't able to grasp the playbook. We saw three touchdowns last year, most notably against the Patriots, when Stephon Gilmore and Nigel Bradham were yelling at him to get into the right spot, and he just was blew his assignments. And I think this is a make or break camp for him. Yeah, and that's a great point. And that's not even someone that I had really considered as a bubble player. But you bring in guys like Colt Anderson, you bring in guys like Robert Blanton, who's Notre Damer, who I've seen a lot of football played from Robert Blanton. And you've all of a sudden got a pretty, pretty crowded safety, you know, room. And and now you're looking at Jonathan Meeks still on the roster. And you still have a lot of safeties. And there's probably four, maybe, maybe five. If you, because I see Colt Anderson making this team as a special teams player. I think he's a very good special teams player, and that's where his value will be for this team. So I think it's I think that's a great point. My thought was Marquise Goodwin, uh, but I, I I definitely definitely like the uh, the Duke Williams reference there. I think that's a that's could definitely be a guy you could see on the outs this year. So Rob, tell us a little bit about the guide you put together. Uh, if you don't uh, don't know, already know about it, you could follow Rob at at our Quinn six one nine. He came up with this super elaborate, uh, basically media guide for fans. Uh, and people like if you follow the bills, it is it's only ten dollars. You've got what a hundred and five pages of basically pure gold. Right? Is that is that how many pages it is? Yeah, one hundred and ten pages. One hundred ten pages of what I call pure gold. I mean, you've you've got breakdowns of personnel, breakdowns of plays, pass plays, run plays, uh, profiles on every player. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know how long this took you and and, and what's going into it and uh, where fans can go to uh, to pick this up. Yeah, so this is my third year doing it. Um, I always, as a, as a blogger, 
Um, I'm always looking for information on the players and the different schemes and doing research on that. And I found there was really nothing out there that really had everything you could find in one's place. So I said, why not put one together for myself? And um, so, yeah, so I did scouting reports on every single player on the roster. I have some breakdowns of the schemes that they run, um, just basically to get fans ready and more knowledgeable about the team going into the season. And you could actually go to buildingtheherd.com. Um, today you can actually use the code WGR and you'll get $5 off. So Boom. it'll be $5 for 110 pages of everything you need to know about the Bills heading into training camp. And I think it's a great thing you could bring. To, if you see a number of a guy you don't recognize, you could look him up. And I have a write-up on every, all 90 players on the roster. Nice, nice. So Rob Quinn, thank you so much for coming on with me, buddy. And uh, continue up with the good work. And I'm sure we'll be talking again before the, uh, before the season starts. Yep, thanks for having me, Nate. All right, buddy. Rob Quinn there from Building the Herd, as you heard there. Uh, if you head to buildingtheherd.com, you can buy his media guide, which I really suggest you do. And right now, today, if you use the promo code WGR, you can get $5 off, which is only $5. And as he mentioned there, having something like uh, like Rob's guide to bring to his training camp, uh, especially if you're looking forward to seeing some of the guys that you don't know, uh, some of the you know the 53 to 90 players uh, on the roster, Rob has a write-up of every single one Uh, with a little bit of background information on every single guy. So uh, do yourself a favor if you're headed out to St. John Fisher next weekend, uh, Saturday or Sunday, as training camp opens up. You know, head to uh, buildingtheherd.com and that, like as Rob said there, the promo code is WGR for $5 off of his uh, Buffalo Bills 2016 uh, team guide. So up next, we will uh, finish up the first hour. And uh, next hour, we've got Chris Trapasso on with us. So we'll continue our preview of Buffalo Bills training camp, which opens just seven days from today. So up next, we'll do all of that. And uh, we'll break down a little bit more of uh, the sporting world, which isn't much going on right now. Uh, but there is some baseball going on. So uh, a couple storylines from yesterday and I will see something, Brayton, here as we move forward. You're going to start hearing a little bit of trade chatter in the MLB. We're coming up to that time where teams are either selling or buying or selling, and you've got the Yankees who are right there who are probably going to be a seller. So we've got some interesting MLB storylines, so we'll catch up with that towards the end of the show. Uh, But up next, we will uh, continue with Bill's training camp on WGR. Uh, Obviously, once next week comes, it's 100% football from dawn till night. So everybody's preparing for that right now, kind of getting your last-minute things. Make sure you're ready to go when you uh, report for camp. So it's a busy time, but, uh, you know, I was glad that I was able to come on. Bill's fullback, Felton. Mr. Felton, uh, as Rob Quinn came on. Jerome Felton. Jerome Felton. I, w- I wanted to say Raymond Felton, and I'm thinking he plays basketball. So it can't be him because we don't have the basketball player on our team. As far as I know, anyways. We don't have a basketball team anymore. No, no, we don't, which is unfortunate. But uh, Jerome Felton, an interesting name uh, to bring up because of his cap hit, uh, the currently the highest paid fullback in the league uh, for a team. Now, Brayton, I know you're not like a super football guy, like hockey's your thing, but for me – I know, I like I. What intrigues me are schemes, like watching teams, you know, use player personnel, the eleven, twenty-one personnel, um, and 
last year having, for whatever reason, I just thought that Jerome Felton was going to have like a really large role. Um, he the year before he was he played a pretty big role in in Minnesota's offense, especially in the passing game, um, where he leaked out to the flats a lot, uh, and he was also the lead blocker for you know the leading rusher in the league, Adrian Peterson, for quite a few years. So I'm thinking as this guy comes in that he's going to have this, you know, etched out role for him that's going to be important and he's going to pave the way for McCoy and he's going to be a threat in the, in the passing game. But he played on something like less than 40% of snaps last year. Um, he really doesn't give you anything on special teams. And he, he just isn't that H-back guy that Rob was just talking about that, that Gronkowski can kind of provide, the guy who can move in motion and and do some things outside of the backfield. So he's definitely uh, a guy, to me, that's on the roster bubble, being the highest-paid running uh, fullback in the league. If the Bills are able to cut that salary, they may be able to make a little bit more room for them to sign someone in season, a Tyrod Taylor or a uh, Stephon Gilmore, who I also want to get to next hour, which we will talk about coming back. Um, is the Stefan Gilmore contract situation and how that's going to play out in training camp and preseason. But to me, this Jerome Felton situation is interesting and it's ever-evolving because I do think he's could be one of the most ideal candidates to be one of the guys on the 53-man roster last year that sees his spot taken by an undrafted rookie. Now, do it, does that mean that I think Jerome Felton's not a good football player? No, I think he is probably one of the better fullbacks in the league. I just don't know that we have a use for him. And to pay a guy that much money who's going to be playing 40, maybe 50% of your offensive snaps, just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And, I mean, the fullback position is, I don't know if I want to say it's kind of it's kind of dying off. It really is. I mean, you look at a team like the Green Bay Packers, John Kuhn has been there for right. them forever. Yep. And they didn't re-sign him this offseason, and things are kind of pointing to the way that they're not going to re-sign right. him because – I think things are changing around the league where the fullback position is kind of not needed anymore because you could just slot in another running back into that role instead of having that big fullback to block. It's, you know, teams are finding ways to utilize two running backs instead of just a running back and a fullback, and it's working out for them. So they're seeing that as, okay, I don't really need a, run, a fullback there anymore, maybe for pass protection more than anything, but you know, I think that a lot of more teams are just going to the one halfback or two halfbacks in the backfield, or they're just going completely to the passing game. Right, and, and I think the evolution of offense has, the, the spread offense has really kind of put a big, a big premium on athletic quick guys, guys like, you know, Tavon Austin or this smaller quick guy, a.k.a. 11 personnel. And, and 11 personnel is really taking over the league, and it's it, it's not just the Patriots. It's not just some of these spread teams. It's, it's really league-wide. As you're spreading teams out and you use this 11 personnel, you know, you're making defenses put an extra corner in there. So to have Felton out on the field, you're not going to get a nickel – or a dime package from a defense, you're going to get a standard run package. You're going to get a 4-3. You're going to get a base 3-4. And I think for the Bills ultimately to be successful, and I think that's the reason you saw Felton's presence on the field, you know, considerably drawn back last year, is mismatches. You know, they can do more with one running back and three receivers and a tight end, or two tight ends, two receivers and a running back, or 
four receivers and a running back than they can with putting that fullback in there who just can't run routes the way that a tight end can. And also, what you worry about ultimately is the blocking that he does. But as you said, you know, there his role was diminished last year. And in the preseason, I think you saw a lot of him, but that's because... Last year, you're in Greg Roman's first year of his offense. You're getting mostly base package plays. You're not getting a lot of complex scheming. You're getting a lot of just, hey, here's our base package. Here's our run right. Here's our zone left. You know, here's our play action right, play action left. So you're not getting as much in depth this year. I think it'll be really interesting to see the role of Jerome Felton in the preseason because in Greg Roman's second year, you're going to see this playbook open up more and you're going to see more complex scheming and. I think the more complex and more in-depth this offense gets, Jerome Felton's role will continue to shrink. So do you pay over almost $2 million to a fullback whose role is going to continue to diminish over time, or do you pay a guy like like Glenn Gronkowski, who's not going to cost a lot of money, but could potentially fill the same role? So it may not be about talent. At the end of the day, I think there's no arguing Jerome Felton's more talented and better football player than, than Glenn Gronkowski. You just have nothing to go off if he's a rookie. But if he can fill the role admirably and, and, too, and good enough, I think that they're willing to go with the guy they're going to have to pay almost nothing to to fill a role that's only on the field 40 time, you know, 40% of the offensive snaps. So an interesting position moving forward. We'll keep an eye on the fullback position, Jerome Felton. Uh, and Glenn Gronkowski there as uh, Rob Quinn on the AT&T Hotline last segment mentioned that as a bubble player to watch along with Duke Williams. So when we come back next hour, we will dive into the Stephon Gilmore contract situation a little bit more. We'll talk about where he stands and what we can expect from him moving into the season with these contract talks. Um, and as he, as Ian Rappaport mentioned, or I'm sorry, well, as Brayton mentioned that Ian Rappaport reported yesterday, uh, that both sides, uh, haven't progressed very much. Uh, and as right now, there's no lot, uh, holdout planned for Gilmore. So he should be there for day one of training camp. Uh, but that is also a, a fluid situation. So we'll talk a little bit more of that. And, uh, we'll also have Chris Trapasso on from, uh, from Buffalo Rumblings. We'll have him on at, eight, at 9.30. So we've got a jam-packed second hour, so stay tuned. This is WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.